you. to witness the awesome crushing might of the U.G.S. Robinson show my friends to a show that seemingly apparently never ends got the headset i'm trying to unravel it with one hand for all you fathers out there that are not complete pieces of shit happy father's day a holiday i take quite seriously For those of you who are fathers who are pieces of shit, though I imagine like Aristotle says, no man consciously does evil, I got a salute for you. It looks just like a thumbs up, except with my middle finger. You had one job and it was pretty easy. Pretty easy. But we'll let Bob Riley tell you, stigmata, calling it a just. The song is called Intro All of Nothing. Revelation Records and Honeyness Deep still carries it. Get the actual CDs, you can read the lyrics. But Bob Riley says it best. It's been kicking off this show and shows before it since 2007. Listen carefully, carefully. I'm on my way back to nowhere. Could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full always nothing. All right, my friends. Welcome. Welcome, my friends. Let me put on the, the headset. Hey, man. It's Captain Freakout from the planet Hot and Tight. Uh, is it working? Is it working? Is it working? I think, I think, yeah, last week, my electricity, the house was about to burn down. Yeah, that works. The house was about to burn down. The wiring was frying in the room right next to each, this one. And it got into the walls and started fucking with the Wi-Fi. So this and the show that we do after it, the uh, You Kill Me was that show. It's called the Film Re Kasha and Eugene's Film Reviews for Reprobates. Uh, and this week we have Cosmopolis coming up, um, the uh, David Cronenberg flick. Uh, we're holding off on the Safdie brothers for a little bit. It, it was a great movie, but we want to talk about Cosmopolis. Um, and so the show was going in and out because the fucking wall was frying. So sorry for you people who had a, a hell of a time last week. In the future, though, don't let me do a whole fucking show if the thing is – if. It, Sorry, I'm choking to death. If the shit thing is on the fritz, some of yous, you can all tweet me. If you don't, if you're not on Twitter, the Twitter handle, I open it up to the world is at Eugene S. Robinson. 
tweet me during the show and let me know, hey, there's something fucked up. And uh, I mean, at the very least, you'll have saved my life. The freaking house burning down. Hey, uh, those of you who have my number can text me or call. Uh, but otherwise, let's uh, 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 go on with the show. Now, you have lo- lots of holidays, you know, and typically the show Stomper in its previous incarnation has knuckle up and give a shit about them. We do, we do, we've done show on New Year's Day. We've done shows on Christmas Eve. We've done shows on the 4th of July. We don't care. Whenever the mood hits to do the show, the weekly show, we do it the show weekly. <laughs> it's a little play on words. You can't see what that weekly. I get paid. You know that, that, uh, that desk poster that people used to have? I get paid weekly, very weekly. Ah, 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 ah. And it's that kind of caustic, dark work humor that's really just sad, sad, sad. Well, uh, anyway, the show, but there's a holiday. It would never cause me to cancel the show. You know, I mean, I trained jujitsu, went running today already. Uh, my kids just left. They came over and they, they they brought me stuff. I would read you I would read you the cards that they brought me, but I can't do so without bursting into tears. So that will not happen on this show quite yet. But it's a holiday I take fairly seriously because uh, – there are only three people, as far as I know, on the face of this earth that can call me uh, dad, father. <clears throat> and this is something that you, I- I- as far as I'm concerned, you, like you've heard it said before, it needs more than a penis and a pair of balls to make a man a, a, a father. You know, you got to put some time in. Or or rather, you have to not aggressively fuck up. And I, I, I got to tell you, honest to God, uh, <laughs> being a father has been very simple for me. One, because I want to raise people who I liked. Uh, uh, number two, I never want to bullshit my kids. And, and three, um, you know, it would be it would be a positive if they enjoyed being having me as their father. For example, uh, I don't believe me, and I could be speaking out of turn here. I don't really want to speak for them. I would venture a guess that me and two of my sisters have not necessarily enjoyed having our father as a father it's been it's been a relationship fraught with difficulty and unpleasantness and all you had to do was just be there i realize that now i got a better relationship with my stepfather who for want of i mean was kind of there you know just you know not i'm not i'm not waxing nostalgic oh he took me on the bike ride and this and that i don't give a shit about that but he was he just managed to he like he showed up <laughs> oh, he showed up. He was there, and 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 when he he brought stuff in, he didn't bring stuff in that was extraordinarily shitty, right? So it, 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 you have, I mean, you have the whole entire Western culture canon, C A N O N, built on the premise of whether it's John Ford's The Searchers, you know, um, there is a lacuna, there's a there's a there's an absence. And that absence is filled. Entire Judeo-Christian uh, setup is based on this absence. Because if you're anything other than a Jew, you're waiting for somebody to return, a savior or, or a messiah. Now, I've gone into older shows about how I believe uh, early depictions of demons <clears throat> and, extra- and, and angels and so forth had to do with, um, had to do with extraterrestrials, right? We don't, there are no major predators that have horns, okay, that I can think of. Right? Predators don't really have horns. So this idea that we would somehow anthropomorphize 
you know, horned beings with evil doesn't really make sense to me. Like I, and I'm just, I'm not going into this again. I'm just talking about what we talked about in a past show. So I'm saying breathing devices, extraterrestrial breathing devices that came up and over the head gave uh, the sensation uh, like, you know, if you see a scuba guy and he's got the thing, you might think these were some kind of protuberances that look like, like, like horns. It's speculative. I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up. I, it's, it's, it's like, you know, if you read on demonology, you know, these books are full that the Catholic church has uh, uh, created. It's full of like 700, a thousand plus demons. Somebody actually had to sit and write, write names and give histories to all these demons. Some guy, some are several guys. It's not part of the Bible, but it's just created, pulled from where? Who knows? Who knows? But clearly, these are from culture to culture. These are ideas that have been long-standing. So built into this system, and to many of these Judeo-Christians, even Ju- Judaism, is this idea that we had something that is now missing, and we're waiting for it to return, right? In Judaism, we're waiting for the the Savior. Christianity, we're waiting for the return of the Savior. Islam, they're all variations. Something that was left. So we we have a cultural a cultural and genetic predisposition. Let's not say genetic. Let's say a cultural predisposition for 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 wanting wanting something that we are left without. Right now. Uh, um, so it's built into our stories like they say every movie has been a, an echo or reflection of every movie since John Ford's The Searchers if you haven't seen it you see it you should see it every movie and it's a good movie I'm not, every movie since it has had some aspect of that it's been like the Rosetta Stone for movies after that right and you could talk about how how tonality-wise, J.D. Salinger was indeed the voice for the 20th century. The wised-up Holden Caulfield. We saw echoes of that and everything from Ferris Bueller on to, you know, Jack Kerouac, right? To to a limited degree, many other you know kind of cultural movies. So so well, it doesn't take it doesn't take much. You know, people. I, give me a catchphrase from Saturday Night Live, and I can show you how easily, how 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 culturally dispersive that is. Remember, at one point, everybody was going, "You look marvelous." Everybody, if you were to look at porn from 1985, and you see Billy D, a porn star from 1985, and he's you know shagging some woman, and he says to her after after the money shot, "You look marvelous." Well, nobody knows what that means right now. Is Billy Crystal doing Fernando Lamas or Ricardo Montalban or something like that? You know, uh, one character. These they travel like lightning. They don't last long. You know, <laughs> the entire Judeo-Christian canon has lasted two thousand years, largely on the basis of <laughs> of Saturday Night Live memes, right? Uh, not on the basis of, but in, in a similar fashion. So what I'm saying is, we search for these fathers. We, we've had a predisposition to wait and want these fathers to return to somehow imbue us with significance or meaning in our life. And in micro, we've been doing this in our own lives. Men have kind of reapplied themselves to how it is they approach their families after after the 60s, right? Where women said, well, you know, 
Uh, why should I be entitled? There was these two feminist couple. She just died. I forget her name. And she said she and her husband had an agreement that they would move, that the other partner would choose where they were going to live every 10 years because they were both academics. So that neither one of them was cheating their careers. I would have wound that down to about five years, but whatever. So this was the idea we're going to, we're going to, we're going to reconfigure our roles. And, um, you know, like the guys I was talking about on last week's show, and I've been talking about this crisis of manhood, the man who thought, well, we're, it's been a tough few decades since the 60s, since we're, eh, you can't, you know, bad dancer blames your shoes. It's been tough because you were set free to redefine your role. And it's like, what do I do? You know, inherently, maybe men are not so good at this, right? You know, they're, they're very good at following orders, you know, and they're very good at looking for people to give them orders. You know, we were just talking today when my kids were over here. My wife said, ah, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, were you inside kid or outside kid? Well, I liked my projects inside, you know. And uh, my friends would come by and they want me to come out and play. And I had to be usually forced to go out and play because I was busy with stuff. I was doing stuff. I was always had projects. And, uh, and, and they said, well, yeah, this other thing. So my friends always want me to plan things. My middle kid said this. My wife said this. I said, I don't mind doing it when I was doing it. But if I don't want to do it, I didn't want to do it. By which I, which, which I mean, the hunger for, for, for that substitute was great. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood. Most of the kids I knew, their fathers were there. Every time somebody tries to say the hood and the glorification of the hood is single parent households. If you had a single parent household and your mother made the best of it, good for you. But uh, uh, unless you think this is endemic in African-Americans, it's down. I lived in an African-American neighborhood pretty much my whole life with the exception of a Latino neighborhood I live in now and a few years in Palo Alto. And uh, I've always had fathers around because I didn't live in a low-income black neighborhood. And there are such things. Black neighborhoods that are not low-income neighborhoods, okay? So uh, um, so uh, you got uh, the, the these fathers and this, who, are, who are now in the 60s having to redefine or recast how they understand themselves and how they play in the world. That's fine. That's that 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 was perfectly fine. You somebody shoves you into a room, gives you a whole bunch of puzzle pieces. Say, you know, there's no right answer here. Put them together any way you want. Now, some really horrible examples. Uh, uh, some people I've worked with before, in, in moments of confession, who said, "Well, you know, my father started uh, raping me from the time I was, whatever, eight years old till the time I was like 19. 19. Jesus Christ, how the fuck did that?" And uh, I uh, blurted out at Thanksgiving dinner. And my brothers were like, oh, well, that explains it. I couldn't figure out why he was your favorite. And the father's explanation was, hey, it was the 60s. Everybody was experimenting. Uh, That would have caused me to fly across the table and commit a Thanksgiving murder. But she was uh, a great deal of equanimity. You know, when she got to college, she finally was like, no, enough. I'm not doing this anymore. That was 10 years, a decade of having sex with your fucking father, whose excuse when confronted with it was, well, it was uh, the 60s, everybody was experimenting. Now, she was married when she told me the story, and she and her husband, uh, you know, she had, the family survived. The mother and the father remained married, and they continued doing, you know, holiday things together. And, uh, and it's, I, I didn't inquire, did not stay in touch with the woman after that to find out how that was. But I do remember being over at her house once and seeing a photo of the family. 
And everybody was kind of smiling, except for the mother and the father and her husband. Her brothers were smiling and she was smiling, but those three were not. As a husband in that situation, I'd say it'd be very hard not to murder, not to murder your father-in-law. That'd be very difficult, but you can't, right? Because she's reconciled with him in a way that she, and this is for the people I know who have been sexually molested by their fathers, they've all seemed to to have forgiven them. Can't understand it, but I was never sexually molested by my father. So these guys are now, okay, so they, they have to, re- how, do I, how do I want to uh, address being a man who is a husband and a father? How do I want to do that? In the 70s, they're like, fuck, you know, we don't have to think about it. Cats are getting back from Vietnam. Their PTSD didn't have a name for it. Getting high on drugs. Society is collapsing. I should focus on myself. The me generation. I'm going to take a bunch of cocaine, get some disco roller skates, play backgammon, and eat clams on a half shell. Fuck you. And we had latchkey kids because if the fathers were there at all, they weren't there at dinner time. You had the crack epidemic in major cities in America in the 90s, in the 80s, 80s and 90s. So we we go from we go from the me generation. So essentially, you have an entire generation of men who came of age in in the 80s and 90s who were fundamentally fatherless. Their fathers may have been there, but a father high on crack is not a father at all. And I'm not talking again about (laughs) this, this, this problem cut far and wide. It wasn't just an urban problem slang for something else. It cut far and wide. That it became a problem when that when the crack moved into Nebraska, when crack moved into Ames, Iowa, when crack moved, it it, it, it hit everywhere. It wasn't just Negroes doing crack. And then finally, finally, with the dot, you know, the dot com upswing and uh, extra money and guys being able to, with some of the dot com money, retire. You know, some of these guys were like, "Well, I'm going to learn how to play an instrument." I remember reading a piece. A guy said, I want to learn how to play an instrument and speak a language. He did both of those things in two years and then was sitting around like, I'm 34 years old. What the fuck am I going to do? A lot of these guys turned to fathering, but they turned to fathering with a vengeance. Like me. I was determined. There were three things. I was determined to um, not be as bad as my father, which is very easy. I was determined to um, to which means I was determined to do more good than harm. Um, I was determined to have my kids fight uh, some sort of martial art. I didn't care what the martial art was, but it had to be a martial art. Of course, I really did care what martial art it was, but you know, you just got to say that to keep the options open. But uh, it ended up being uh, Muay Thai. American wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I was a fascist about it. Why, like they were from four until they hit high school, ten years later. And then I figured after that they could continue or not continue. They had the basics and they could, and they all became wrestlers. 
So they fundamentally had martial arts from the age of four to 18. My two older ones periodically train, could still choke you out in a second. They also did gymnastics, so I've got a great sense of balance and so on. And I forget what the third thing was. Oh, never bullshit my kids. But I guess that was part of the first one about, about doing more good than harm. And, and, set, and set about doing it. I was with their, with, their, with their mother for 25 years. Was I a good husband? Probably not. Probably. I've been meaning to write about it, but we are good friends to this day. And uh, I know inherently that she would not appreciate uh, our private life being grist for, for the, 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 the public mill. But we're friends. My kid who just left here said, are you and mom friends? And I go, we're friends. Does it, don't we seem friendly? Doesn't she say, and they want, because she said that they're friends. Can't you tell? Talk on the phone like friends. We're friends. Know somebody for 25 years, you're friends. There's no, I, there's no reason to, to not be friends with this person. We, we, we're good people, raise great kids. All right. Now, people, fathers were like how Howard Stern. This interview he did with David Letterman was like, "Oh, your father, you got to wake up. You you got to let your kids talk, and and then you know, without judgment, hear what they have to say, and they'll tell you. And you just got to take it. That's what you got. Yeah, that's bad fathers. That's bad fathers have to do that. Bad fathers who are not cowards have to do. That. You have to face the music. I might hear some shit from my kids at some point or another about, well, you it, it, uh, when I was little, I didn't see you a lot. Yeah, that's because I was working three jobs." Three jobs. That's how we got all these houses. Three jobs. And still saw you and hung out and with all the things and did all the things because I was sleeping three hours a night. Doesn't mean anything to you. It's not supposed to mean anything to you. You're supposed to be a kid and enjoy yourself. But we've gotten into this toxic cycle of, 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 of bad fathering. And a lot of people will take, a, will take bad fathering and roll that, other into, roll that into bad relationships. I was talking to a woman at a party on Friday night, and she's got this guy, and they've been dating for about eight weeks. And the guy was like, look, you know, I want to go watch the World Cup with my friends. And she's like, oh, my God, he's, he's rejecting me. And, I, you know, I had my father reject me. And I go, you know. You're going to be paying for this father thing for the rest of your life if every time a guy says he wants to do something, your connection is immediately made to your father. Your father never said, hey, you're too fat. I don't want to have sex with you. Your father never said, I, I'm not husband material. I don't want to, have, I don't want to get married. Yeah, your father probably never said he just was absent. He's just not there. We're used to this inattentiveness. We've embraced this inattentiveness. We feel weird when it's not there. Like when I moved here, when I moved to California from New York and I was waiting for the bus for a fucking hour to get from the airport back down to Stanford and I get in and all I had was a dollar. And it said, or they said the machine doesn't take, take folding money. I remember distinctly seeing one of those slots. You just put the money in, but apparently this bus didn't have it. It goes, you need coins. So I was like, fuck, all right, I'm used to New York of the 70s. I get off the bus. Some guy says, no, 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 it's okay. I got, I got, I got the money. Here, here, four quarters. I, he gives, puts them in the machine for me. I go, oh, cool, thank you. I go, take the money. He goes, oh, forget it. 
I don't want to take the money. He goes, no, forget it. And the whole rest of the bus ride, I'm like this. For those listening on the radio who don't have the video, I'm casting him the stink guy. What does this guy want? You know, what is this, some kind of weird sex thing, you know? You give a guy four quarters and you expect a handy in the back? Come on! That was my reality. I was a paranoid lunatic. You don't take anything from anybody. Nothing, nothing. So maybe maybe this is that kind of thing. Look, look you can't, it'll, it'll poison your life, this kind of inattentiveness. But we do it and we do it and we do it and we can't figure out what the fuck is wrong. We have the same relationship with, with people with people in power. This is fundamentally fundamental father proxies. Now, if you if you see Ally Aquinta, Ally Aquinta, a UFC fighter who's also got a real estate license and sells houses out on Long Island, he's been livid. And he said a lot of things that I've been saying on the show about the state of affairs in the UFC. He said specifically how um, uh, uh, the bald one is absent. That the the, the that 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 Jesus, the Savior, in this instance, in in the, in the earthly manifestation of the bald one, is not coming back. Is not there. Was never there. That in actual fact, the real Savior was a Lorenzo or Frank Fertitta. They were the real saviors. And when they left the building, having chosen to no longer save us, they left us in the hands of a bald one. For those who are not familiar with the show, I'm speaking specifically here of the man who loves his own name to such a great extent that I've had to stop using it, Dana White. I cannot contribute. So henceforth, from here on out, the bald one. The bald one, his name, do you know what it means? The show is not called The Contenders. The show is called The Bald One's Name and The Contenders. It's not accidental. That means something. And it means something in the envelope. It, it means something in terms of the pay. It means something in terms of intellectual property and ownership. And it means something from an ego perspective. If you don't think somebody sat around and talked about the, 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 tight, the, the font size of, of his name above the name of the show, you're absolutely positively wrong. These egos are measured in dimes or sausages, as the case may be. And, and Iaquinta is sitting there, and Iaquinta is sitting there saying, this is, you know, the reason, I don't give a fuck. What are they going to do to me? This is the best of what fighters have to offer. There's a reason you become a fighter, because you want to live life beyond a certain kind of fear. The trembling civility of a dog that's been kicked, that's not your lot. I find myself, I remember once I was in the, in the toilet, and I used to write for Hustler magazine. And I was actually on the toilet reading one of my articles that appeared in Hustler magazine. It's a national magazine. They used to pay me $1,500 an article. I was pretty happy to get it. I'm sitting on the toilet reading it, and uh, my ex-wife opens the door. And she goes, oh, sorry. You know, and my instinct was to hide the magazine, right, the first instinct. And I was like, oh, I'm a grown adult male. I'm reading my article, not masturbating. I'm sitting here on the toilet. What, 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 these, these weird habits we pick from our youth that I should have to hide this. Get out of here. I'm not going to hide this. And it's the same sort of thing. 
as a grown adult male, would I have to be? I have to mince my words for what for political reasons. Maybe if I'm doing, if the guy's got his hand on the rock and I don't have my hand on the rock and he's got a plate full of sausages, maybe I'll hold my tongue. Ally Aquinta has got it, got it, got it straight. I was sitting outside at a music festival once, in college, with this woman. She was great looking. So half black, half Italian. Just she looked just great sitting there in the sun. And I looked at her and I said, "Hey, you know what? It would be, you know, we should go. What did I say? How did I word this exactly? I said we should go back to my place right now and have sex. That would be great." And she paused and she was like, "Yeah, yeah. Now that you ask, I think that's a pretty good." And I sat there for a few minutes. And I said that I felt like Columbo. Now that thing that you, I reminds me of that thing you just said there. Now that you ask, she said, and I started thinking, you know, I actually didn't ask. I didn't ask. I laid out a proposition, which you could sign in on, or you don't have to sign in. But I didn't ask. In fact, I got uncomfortable with with the recasting of the situation along the terms of ask, as though I were petitioning. I w- it was an invitation to share something. I wasn't asking you to give me anything. It's a very different situation if I don't show up. If I don't show up, you are masturbating. If I show up, we can have sex. But I'm not asking you. And I said that, if you can believe it. She was already willing to go with me back to my apartment from this music festival, walk down the street four blocks to my, my apartment. She was ready and willing to do this. But I was like, you know what? Actually, uh, actually, I, I want, let's rewind. Forget I said anything. And I just turned back and listened to the music and I never mentioned it again. <laughs> I mean, the story doesn't end there. <laughs> okay. All right. But, um, but I never made an attempt to have sexual contact with her again after that. She came over to my house once unannounced and, you know, jumped me. Perfect. That was fine. Because then we were sharing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't do so well. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. I didn't, and one of you asked me to tell you the story about the two sisters. And I mean, sisters, and they had a familial relationship. If if uh, if I have enough time at the end, I will actually tell you. Uh, Maddie, I don't. He, I mean, he doesn't want his last name used. Maddie is the one who asked me to go into two sisters, so I'll I'll maybe go into two sisters. I don't want to ask. Didn't want to ask. Petition anything. So I'm very sensitive to to the semantics. So when Ally Aquinta goes, you know, I don't. We are doing this. The fighters don't show up. You have the ultimate fighting nothing. UF, excuse me, UFN. You got nothing. You got fucking bupkis. You got nothing. Zero. Goose egg. Nothing. 
even if it's like a strike and you can break the ranks, you get scabs out there, guys who are willing to fight for a you know partially eaten sandwich and a bag of M&Ms, fine. But we are doing this together. You are not doing shit for me. Just because you can buy a $23 million house in Las Vegas doesn't mean shit. A, a promoter's career lifeline is longer than a fighter's career lifeline. I understand that. It doesn't mean you're better than me. And so we're waiting. We're waiting. It felt like we had a father for a bit. It felt like we did when Lorenzo and Frank were around. They might not have been good fathers, but they were fathers and acted as fathers should. They gave direction, consistent policy, and you generally knew where they stood. Firm but fair comes to mind. What we have now with the Baldwin in charge is nobody in charge. It's like those dysfunctional families where there's a single father family and the oldest brother becomes the one running things. I know another woman whose family thought it made sense to hire a 16-year-old local boy to babysit their kids. They're seven and eight-year-old. She was systematically raped by this babysitter until they moved. She complained about not wanting that babysitter to come over. He locked her brother in the closet and raped her every time he babysat. She told a friend when she was 13, this friend told a counselor at the school, they called the parents in, the parents accused her of lying for attention. So, uh, um, that's who's in charge now. That's who's in charge now. The vendettas, the, the ego-driven attacks, the lies, the prevarication, the misdirections, the obfuscations, obfuscations, all that stuff. And it doesn't seem strange now because, of course, that's in micro what's happening with the U.S. in macro. We talked about this on, uh, on uh, If the Shoes Fit last week when I busted out with a conversation about casino politics. And I could, it's not just my show, so I couldn't go off on it like, like I did now. But do you understand? You understand this is a might makes right situation. You had to know things were going to go this way. It wasn't great diplomacy that attracted Trump to 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 um, to to Kim Kim Jong Un. It wasn't that, not by any stretch at all. It was casino politics. Canada, Canada, and Mexico. In the mind of the man who is president of the United States, these are weak countries. You know what a strong country is in his mind. The Philippines. You know why? Because Duterte has had not institutional will, but has had fortitude. You know, the Nazis talked about this all the time. They talked about their holy mission. And they said largely what they say in Silicon Valley all the time now. If it was easy, anybody would do this. They saw themselves in purely messianic terms. 
you know, it's distasteful what we do, but we have to do it. We are driven by fate and providence to clean this fucking toilet bowl up. And it starts here with Jews and communists and gypsies, and it'll continue until every single last one has been pulled up root and branch. We are greater because we choose to, we, we have risen above the human elements that would crush a lesser man. It, it, it is a far, far better thing that we do. They've, they, they, they were hustlers and cheap hoods and thugs, but the ideologues amongst them really believed this shit. They really believed it. Yes, Ilsa, Ilsa Koch, the, uh, the she-wolf of the SS, purportedly in her last days of life imprisonment, was having nightmares and visitations from all the people that she uh, uh, systematically murdered, women, children, and mothers. But it just sounds like that's something that we would like. Like to believe was the case, rather it actually being the case. That she was haunted by her evil deeds, this I'm not quite sure of. I, I I don't know that I don't know this for a fact. So so you know they 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 actually they they actually really believe that and the reality of it is you know this, these same sort of messianic terms are described by the president of the United States when describing in his paroxysm of pleasure where he talks about his new friend Kim Jong Un about this 27 year old man who who rose in the shadow rose outside of the shadow of his father and his grandfather echoing Trump himself echoing Trump himself rising up out of the shadows of 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 you know his forebears and creating his own legacy and it was a tough thing he did It was a tough, very difficult thing that he that he did. Forget about the 130,000 people in concentration camps in North Korea that are described by a guy who was actually in Auschwitz as being worse than Auschwitz. Forget about those. Because the fact that a sensitive, a, a, a delicate, caring guy like that could imprison 130,000 people and bear this, the, the weight and the responsibility that speaks to his quality as a, as a man. That speaks to his quality as a human being. That he's, it, 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 it didn't, you could, I, I, you don't even need a scorecard to figure this stuff out. When you look at who he's attracted to on a global stage, Duterte, Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin, Xi, No time at all for Angela Merkel, an old woman. What? She couldn't. She can't even take a punch. Not. No. 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 Not. Not even. You know. You got Merkel and uh, and and who else? Uh, 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 Macron. And and and, and who, who who do we got? Uh, Trudeau. Are you kidding me? You see that there's a change. We had political leaders of a certain type up until 1945. And then those types of leaders made people very nervous. You get somebody who's pretty anodyne, like uh, like Eisenhower, look like a librarian or an accountant, 
And after that, the Teddy Roosevelt, the give him hell Harry, you know, these, uh, you know, Andrew Jackson, these tough guy presidents, we didn't trust him. We didn't trust him. You know, if a guy pounded the podium, look what we had. We had Howard Dean. Yeehaw! And it made people so fucking nervous that they that, that was it. His political career ended. It's some staged bullshit where he was just kind of being excited about something. That was it. That was it. You know, in, in, in casino politics, that guy walks in, you fleece him. You fleece, not, not Dean, but I'm saying that guy, the, the leader that essentially that we've had since 1945. Let's go through the list. You name one of those that Trump would have respected in a casinos in a casino setting. What Carter? No. Ford? No. Nixon? Loser. Showed up to the casino, his pockets were turned out. Out. Reagan? Maybe. Old man went to Alzheimer's. He was sick. Clinton? Now we're getting closer. Clinton was the kind of guy you wanted in the casino. Wanted in the casino. Not a, necessarily a tough guy, but did tough things. They used to be friends. This was telling. I'm talking about Trump and Clinton. Bushes, never had time for the Bushes. Too intellectual, in his mind, equals weak. Obama, intellectual, weak. He's going to make America great again. You don't think he was talking about Eisenhower, do you? You don't think he was talking about Ford? What time, what period of time do you think he was talking about when he said, make America great? I tell you exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about the kind of guy that gets up and pounds a fucking podium. Yeah, Khrushchev was doing that when he came to the UN. And our president's all over Russian balls. So. It's the older brother after the father has left the house that's now controlling things. And whether this older brother is Fredo or whether this older brother is Sonny, it doesn't make a bit of difference for everybody else in the family. Not a single bit of difference. Do You, you do realize, of course, hold on a second. There's people having a garden party behind me. It's making me thirsty. Uh, it, it, you do realize it, it. It doesn't. It doesn't make. Uh, um, oh, the, the can is coated. I thought I was having a hallucination. Um, it, we are. We are witnessing the collapse and the total failure of all of the systems around because we now are aligning ourselves with the premise that might makes right. You got to understand that what backed us off of that were two fucking world wars and, and nuclear bombings. Right. And so we decided as a family, as a family, a nation state, as a collection of human beings, we decided, look, look, <laughs> this is we have we have our hands on powerful fucking forces here. We got to talk this shit out. We create the U.N. creation of NATO. Mm. 
the issue is the issue is not the issue is not uh, 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 well, I can take care of everything. I used to think that way when I was in high school. So, you know, I don't understand these guys. These guys, and keep in mind, I went to high school in New York, and I'm a New Yorker. Ah, these guys are fucking around with this dilly-dally and this shilly-shallying. They're talking. I'll tell you what I do. What I do right now is drop a few fucking bombs on them, let them know we mean business, just go, you know what? I got more where those came from. Insofar as I give a fuck about them, because most of these states are loser states. That's, that was me talking about America. Most of these countries are loser countries. This is me in 1977 at a lunch table in Stuyvesant High School. And people would go, oh, I go, what? Oh, you, you, oh, you're telling me we really fucking need Togo? You're telling me that it's a great loss to the Canada Western culture if we get rid of Estonia? The fuck out of here. Bomb the fuck out of them and then let us get on with our business. That was me in 1977. The difference is now in 2018, I'm not the leader of the free fucking world. And moreover, even if I was, my ideas have evolved a little bit since then. There's a reason the politicians changed. If you can't hold your shit together for a 45 minute speech without pounding the podium and waving your hands, and being attracted to obvious kinds of machismo. I don't know how many mafiosos you, 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 you have met in the course of your time. I've met a few. And uh, it's a great organization in the sense that it's well organized. Organizations succeed or fail on the basis of willingness to follow orders. My hands are following my orders right now. If my hands were not following my orders right now, I would have some version of muscular dystrophy, generally not considered to be all that healthy or good of a thing. But they're following orders. Of course, if my hands were to pick up a gun or a knife right now and begin stabbing myself in the chest or stabbing the first person I saw in the chest, we would have to say that though the hands were following orders, that the orders were somehow fucked up. Unless I had a compelling reason for doing so. In other words, those orders were, made sense, were legal orders. The people run, the fathers running our institutions are not good fathers. They're jumped up older brothers who are fucking up. Mm. Now I'm sure were my Trump guy to be here, he would go, I don't know how you're I don't know how you see I, this you, phrase you're using fucking up. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how you're manufacturing this idea of fucking up. It doesn't seem to me that it's fucking up. I'm seeing good things happening everywhere I look. This is the same guy who we 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 he has got me to believe fundamentally in a certain kind of philosophical solipsism where if I see a guy stabbing, chasing, beating, and stabbing somebody, a black guy being stabbed by a white guy, a Jewish guy being chased by a German guy, uh, a Latino guy being chased by a skinhead, 
he said you i will i'm willing to allow i have no idea if the person doing the stabbing is a racist even if they're saying die jew die maybe he's just saying that to to you know in other words it is impossible to plumb the depths of the human heart and things that people say it's a Descartian argument of uh, with the okay things you see sometimes might not be exactly right so your eyes can't be they're not reliable there are things that come out of your mouth that might not be the right thing your your speech is not a clear-cut indication of how it is you truly feel in a grossly philosophical sense that's got to be right right I mean I'm sure you've said I love you to somebody you haven't loved I'm sure you, you've not said I love you to somebody you really loved. You tell your father you loved him last time. When was that? When did that happen? Uh, to get laid, maybe you say, yeah, 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 I love you too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, come on, take your clothes off. So maybe these were... So I'm actually willing to embrace this philosophical argument that that if I can't... I can't... It's much like reality. I can't define... Physicists, the closest they've come to is proximity. Can't define reality. I can't measure reality. What quality is reality? Is it width? Is it height? Is it depth? Is it weight? Weight is reality? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm willing to allow that. But that, that, that racism might be a phantasm because mostly I don't care. If you're stopping me from getting a job, it doesn't matter to me why you've stopped me from getting a job. It doesn't help me in this, not a scintilla of help because you, it was it was driven by race. Oh, so now I know you don't like me because I'm black. That's why I didn't get the job. It doesn't help me. I need a job. I need a place to live. I need the loan. I, I, redlining. Fuck you. I got to be able, I'm being attacked on the street. I, you know, all these are indistinct. They, they have no distinction for me. However, the father thing is something else entirely different. Like I said, Fredo and Sonny were older brothers. They weren't good older brothers. And this might make right kind of foreign and domestic policy has got really aggressive limitations. It's not like World War II has been the only example of that kind of shit not working. I mean, of course, it sounds silly to say because she has made himself fundamentally leader for life of China, and so, so has Vladimir Putin. To say it doesn't work seems to be wrong. It seems to be working quite well. It seems to be political opponents are being silenced. Why? Doesn't help. I got a country of 300 million people here, says she. I can't be fucking around with Falun Gong. Can't. It's like herding cats. I got to kill a few, got to scare the rest, got to keep them in line. That's the deal. Are you happy? I'm clearing the way for you to do what you do best, which is make money. Go make money. In the case of in the case of Asia, China. Russia, I don't I, I, I'm not I'm not quite sure what the hell. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're funny guys. I'm just looking at some of the some of the tweets here. <laughs> some guys asking for a penis in the mouth. 
You'll get it, Troy. Sorry, look at that. <laughs> you see, my mouth is actually watering. My mouth is watering. I want to give it to him so bad. Yeah, prick you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, this is why I don't look at tweets. If it's an emergency, that's fine. But generally, I'm not looking at tweets during during, during the show. You let me know if there's an emergency. Otherwise, um, I'm assuming that means you can you can hear you can hear the show. Uh, hold on. Uh, da, 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 da. Yep. Okay. So um, so how does this end? How does it end? A nation of us sitting waiting. Well, how did it end last time? We may not know who the father is. We may not father slash savior. We may not know when he comes, but you know what we do know? We know when he's dead. And sometimes not even then. Hitler in a bunker? Nah, sorry. Listen to Dave Emery, Flight of the Werewolf. Didn't happen. The submarine, the, the, air, the Otto Scorzani-esque flight to, uh, to uh, Barcelona. Spanish nationalists under Franco, and then the submarine straight to the Argentine. The war was over. They were trying to get people on land. You think they were sending destroyers out to get uh, submarines with escaping Nazis? Ah, the war was over. Fuck that. But dead or gone, Hitler was gone. Tojo was done. Emperor was deposed. Stalin eventually died to be replaced by other tough shoe pounding guys, various tough guys, bullet bureaus until it collapsed. You got to know in the head of somebody like a Donald Trump, Gorbachev, a guy he would call soft. Was a reason for the collapse. Softness equals collapse in the, the in his mind. This is why this is why the bald one is getting into these nickel and dime fights over nickels and dimes when he's got pounds to concern. Sausages and pounds. And he's kicking out guys like Yair Rodriguez to send a message. That's the problem with these guys. That's the problem with these ersatz fathers. They're concerned about micro pictures. And I'll close out with this story of me at four years old. And there's a photograph of it to back it up. I've always been a a, a fashion, yeah, you know, a, a, a fashion barometer. I got a red shoes. Red socks, navy shorts. I got a tartan tie, bow tie with a vest and a jacket. I'm four years old. I'm a ring guy at a wedding. I'm on stage. I'm ready. I'm going to do a show. I get to the church, did these huge columns. My father takes out his Polaroid camera and goes, stand over there. I want to take a picture. So I stand next to the column to take a picture. And at this point now, I was already exposed to media. I'm looking at magazines. I'm seeing TV commercials. I know what the fuck is going on. I put my hand in my little vest pocket, and I lean, I lean against the column like a cool guy, you know, like I saw in magazines. He goes, stand up. I go, I am standing up. He goes, no, stand up straight. I go, I am standing up straight. He goes, take your hand off the column. I go, why? He goes, because I want you to take your hand off the column. I go, why? I like it like that. I want to take the picture like that. He said, like, take your hand off. I go, well, it's going it's to knock the column down. 
So now he's digging in. The father. The savior is digging in and going micro with me. He goes, yes, you're going to knock the column down, which we both knew was him losing. Because there's no way me at four was going to knock down a column of a, of a huge church. So I said, okay, I'll take my hand off because he had the weight. How, you know, did, did Eugene Robinson, did he weigh more than Russia? Nope. So I took my hand off the column, put my hands at the side, and I gave a face like this. For those of you listening on the radio, it's the dead fish face. There's your photo, fuckhead. Go take your photo. This is me at four years old. And he was angry with me for the rest of the day. He got into a fight with a four-year-old and fucking lost. We all lost. But the fact that he had within his grasp a great photo, he lost bigger than I lost. And I still have the photo around somewhere of me just standing by the column looking like a fucking, like a ventriloquist dummy. Not smiling, not moving, nothing. And that's how this is going to end up. We got the bald one going micro. When in macro, what's happening is absolutely nothing. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, everything. And we're in the same position in the U.S. of A. Now, looking at it from the outside, you might say that that interaction worked. My father got the photo. I was wearing the same clothes I would have been in the photo, whether my hand was up or whether my hand was down. But the fact that he was pissed off with me for the rest of the day and that I've remembered that story 52 fucking years later shall let you know that this was not a win for anybody. We, we, we in the U.S. of A are going to be fucking, we are, (laughs) we are paying into a bank account that we're going to get paid out of later. Or chickens come home to roost or any other fucking metaphor, simile, analog that you want to use to understand that you can't have Fredo or Sonny. The movie is fundamentally different if each of those guys is the capo di capituti. And now we got casino casino politics helps one person, one entity. It helps the casino. The U.S. is not the casino. When I'm talking to Kim Jong-un and I'm talking about I could build a bunch of hotels here, he didn't say we could or the U.S. could. He said I could. Casino politics benefits one be You might, they're talking about all the tariffs, how they're going to fuck the farmers. Of course, that's the biased press, the enemy of the people. Are you going to, hey, man, I saw that guy. He was fucking your wife. Go tell the wife, this guy was fucking my wife. Your husband was fucking my wife. The husband comes home and goes, what, what? He saw me there? Well, I saw you there too. <laughs> you guys, you going to believe your lying eyes? Your eyes lied to you. You're going to believe that? 
The media in this country are our eyes. Now, maybe I didn't see you there, like the woman who who interrupted her, her, her boyfriend fucking somebody else, and he convinced her that it was a big screen TV and he was just watching porn. She bought it. You believe me or your lying eyes? Everything's great in America. These Democrats are stopping us from building the wall. These Democrats are stopping us from dealing with, with immigration. These Democrats are, are this investigation. They're run, these, this media is enemy to people. I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I cut your taxes, didn't I? Your industry is dying. Blame the tariffs are fucking up the farms. Blame the Democrats. Hey, what happened to all that money, the billions of dollars from ZTE that was paid in? I don't know. It's in the Treasury somewhere. Emoluments, three suits. Are you benefiting from your job as president? Hey, whoa, uh, what, I got? I can't eat? I'm not supposed to eat. That's what it is? Yeah, yeah, come on. Well-reasoned, well-thought-out, Michael Corleone is the president that we've had since 1945. In the face of Islamic extremism, it seems ineffective. It seems passive. It seems soft. So we elect a guy who's going to make America great. He's going to take us back to 1945 when we knew how to deal with problems like this. I say we hit him, says Sonny. It's not a sustainable way of doing business. That's not bit. Dead guy can't buy shit. I can't work him either. He's got no va- labor value to me. Dead gate, dead, deadbeat nations, deadbeat dead guys. I hate to say it. It took me two weeks to figure out why murder is not good. On an Oxbow tour, we had to argue. And finally, said a state that sanctions murder is a state is a state unstable state. And if the state's bare bones uh, a credo is perpetuation of the state, then it's going to fail. And a failed state is not good for anybody. Having a guy firing fighters willy nilly because he feels like it, or not paying them, or trading them, or, or this is not. Nobody's going to say God is in the details. So is the devil. It's not going to save us. So on this day called Father's Day, celebrate the guy sitting at the head of the table there telling you bedtime stories or picked you up from fucking uh, basketball practice or lacrosse practice or or dance practice or gymnastics. Celebrate that guy. Because if you can see him and he doesn't have his pants off, you probably got yourself a good one. It took a long way. I got to the end. Thank you for sticking with me. Uh, we're going to do uh, You Kill Me, film review, Kasha and Eugene's film reviews for reprobates. If you're subscribed to this thing, I think you have to set up notifications so it lets you know, but we're going to do it within the next half hour. Tuesday night, we have uh, at 7.20, we have uh, uh, If I Did It, If You Did It. What the hell is the show called? Yeah, If I Did It. PR kerfuffles inside the world of MMA, for those of you who care about MMA, followed immediately by If the Shoes Fit. There's PR kerfuffles outside of the world of MMA for a solid hour, 30 minutes on each show. You just have to switch from one to the other. And Wednesday, if there's a fight next weekend, Wednesday morning, maybe we'll do Care Don't Care preview Wednesday or Thursday. That's more free-floating. 
If you'd like to, if you'd like to, if you go to Ozzy.com, if you're listening right now for another 30 minutes, I think if you go to Ozzy.com up on the homepage, you can scroll through a few things. You've got my article. uh, It's entitled, (laughs) those of you fight fans might appreciate it. It's entitled um, A Guide to Fighting on Father's Day. And uh, it's about me uh, almost getting into a fist fight at a, at a garden party, a kid's garden party with some prick. So you can read that at Ozzy.com or another piece I'm pretty happy about, my Al Goldstein piece. Just go to the search bar up above and type in Al Goldstein and it'll come right up. I tweeted it out, but if you guys are not on Twitter, you don't get it. Or Mr. Sleep 3 on Instagram. However, if you're gated, like you, you, I have to request from you or you don't have any photos. I assume you're a spy and I don't let you in. But those are the two social network ways you can get me. I'm full up on, on Facebook, I think. So that's the show. That's the show. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you haven't written a father, if you got a decent father and you haven't told him father, you still got like three hours. So do so. Anyway, uh, uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. Look what you made me do. And later, later, later for you kill me. We're going to write after this one. Other than that, for MMA stuff, we'll see you Tuesday. Look what you made me do twice. Ah!